0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Wells Adams, uh, your favorite weirdo bartender from Bachelor in Paradise and host of Best in Doe. This week, I'm on the Hollywood Raw podcast where I'm going to tell you uh, my favorite stories from being behind the bar. And the one time that I got drunk with a lot of big celebrities after the Oscars. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins.
1: Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey,
0: this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening
1: to and watching...
0: Welcome to the Hollywood Raw
1: Podcast. I am Dax Holt. That is Adam Glenn. And we are Hollywood Raw.
2: (laughs) We are Hollywood Raw. Thank you guys for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you guys for watching. We got a fun one today. We got uh, Wells Adams on the podcast. Wells Adams.
1: you, You know how I say this. Like My wife doesn't really get excited over the people that we talk about or talk to on the podcast she's she's just not a big like celebrity person in general like pop culture is not like really her thing however we watched the bachelor and bachelor in paradise for many years and she knew exactly who wells was and she is very excited to be listening to this episode today but we got wells adams from the bachelor Um, He was on JoJo's season. Then he went to Bachelor in Paradise. He was a contestant there. And now he is the, uh, the bartender slash master of ceremonies on Bachelor in Paradise. So a lot of people know him. He's a really, really funny guy. He also has a podcast called Your Favorite Thing with Brandy Cyrus. And he's doing a Hulu show. I mean, he's just kind of everywhere right now. And a lot of people... Know him because of his wife as well, because he's married to Sarah Highland from Modern Family. So I feel like he's one of those people that uh you see a lot on the websites and in magazines because they're taking his photo out a lot. So I'd like to ask him some questions on what it's like from uh, turning from a normal person into a celebrity, um, just because who you start dating.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just talking to someone earlier today, tell that we had Wells Adams on the podcast, and the person responded thanks you're at subway what kind of sandwich are you gonna to have today um the guy just was like why the fuck are you telling me this and i was like i don't know i just he's like who are you Why well, don't even know what a podcast is and uh he's like come on we're, we're getting busy it's almost lunchtime um so i'm excited to talk to wells before we get to wells we're actually we like to give you a shout out so if you leave us a review we actually read your review live on air the best thing to do to support us is giving us a review dax do you have a review ready for us
1: I got one. All right. This one's from Cherry's five stars. Hey, since you have been asking for reviews, I thought I would write one since I listen to you guys every week. Your podcast is one of the best out there. And I love your laugh. Dax, you guys keep up to date with keep me up to date on all the news out there. You guys need to go on Juicy Scoop again. Loved that episode, too. Well, thank oh. you, Cherry's. I don't know if I'm saying your name. Cherry's. All right. <laughs> yes. Um,
2: thank you, Charizzo. Great review. Like, thank you. <clears throat> just go to my allergies. Kill me. Just go to a, like podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's just say Apple, for example. Apple is where I grab
1: all these reviews because no none of the other platforms like really do the review thing. So like I we've tried other spots. We don't ever find reviews. So if you're going to leave one, please do it on Apple. That's where I'm looking. Leave your name so I can read your name, not just your your handle. Yes. So. Appreciate it. On thank to you. our
2: guest today, Dex, tell me about our guest.
1: Well, our guest today is a former radio host, a podcaster, a television host, a reality star, uh, a target in the media. We've got Wells Adams on the podcast today.
2: All right, Wells, thank you for coming on the podcast. We're recording this on a Tuesday, but what's an average day for you, like on a Wednesday Wednesday? What are you doing? What time do you wake up? What do you do all day?
0: Yeah, I get up at like 5.36 every single morning, and I wish I didn't do that, but uh, it's it's like a layover from when I did a morning show for 12 years in Nashville, and I got up at 4.30 every single morning and went into a radio station, and so I can't shake that, and I hate that so much because all I want to do is be able to sleep in, and my stupid wife, who (laughs) I love very much, is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sleeping like a snug as a bug in a rug. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm so jealous of you. So usually, usually I'm up very early. Um, like today I was telling you guys off air, I was editing my podcast. Um, and it just depends on what time of year it is. Like if, if it's summertime, I'm probably in Mexico filming BIP. If it's, you know, um, in the if, different time of year, I'm maybe filming best in Doe or, or doing another show. Um, and if I'm not doing anything, then usually I'm like playing golf or, uh, or running or watching the news, which is terrible. And no one, I, no one should do that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of it, I guess.
1: You know, you're, you're a busy guy. You mentioned obviously best in Doe. You've got your podcast, your favorite thing. You've got all the bachelor bachelor in paradise stuff going on. I want to know from someone who's doing a lot of stuff. How often do you talk to your like manager or agents? Cause Mine never calls me. So, how often do you get to talk?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, they only want to talk to me when it's something that has to do with uh, making them some money, um, <laughs> and so I like to talk to them as much as humanly possible because that means I'm making money too. But yeah, it it, it kind of depends. My manager's really, really good, and if he knows that I'm off doing something, he'll he'll leave me the hell alone. But um, yeah, I don't know. We we talk a good bit about like it was strategy and like what the next thing is and how we can you know kind of continue to grow my career and stuff but i'd say i don't know three times a week Oh, damn. that's pretty good
1: dude i can't even get a call back that's nice. i probably
0: yeah i've had a i have had I think i think i have probably had three
2: calls with my manager in the last decade so um yeah that's pretty good how did so when you did the bachelor, When you first did The Bachelor, was every single manager and agent calling you saying, we want to represent you? I'm sure like the the influencer agents were calling you or how did that like, how'd you find your manager really?
0: Yeah, the influencer thing that people called me for that. Um, And that was a weird world to navigate because there are some skeezy people out there. And um, when you get into that part of I guess like your career, you don't know what you don't know. And you kind of have to make some bad decisions and realize who's good and who's bad. And um, there were some people kind of the season before the season I went on of the Bachelorette. So I was on Jojo's season. The season before that was Caitlin's season. And I became really good friends with all those guys. And that was kind of the first season where you could do endorsement stuff And so I got a lot of good advice and some bad advice from those guys about who to um, to work with. But in terms of a manager and agency, um, it's it's yes, you can sell crap on Instagram if you go on on these kind of reality shows. But like, kind of venturing out past that, like I have done, um, is really hard to do. And you don't need a manager or representation of an agency if you can't do the other things. And so I remember I had um, a meeting with my, my agent now, Ryan um, at uh, at Craig's in LA, which is like the most like seem yeah. to be seen place. And I'm not that guy. <laughs> uh, and he was like, I think that, you know, there's something, about you that I could work with. I don't ever, like, I don't ever represent reality stars from like the bachelor, but I do think that there's like a future in hosting and all this other stuff. Cause my background in radio and I was like, I don't need you. I, I, te- I don't need to pay you 10% of what I'm doing to do what? Like, are you going to find me more jobs? And so he was like, give me like six months. If I find you some stuff, then we'll keep going. And uh, we haven't looked back and uh, Ryan's been awesome. And, Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. But to have a manager or to be represent represented by an agency, which I also am, is not as common um, from the reality people as you would think.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that it's hard to kind of break free from that, like bachelor reality kind of name that, you know, kind of supersedes people. You know, what what do you think made you different because i you're always very funny at least you know i used to watch the bachelor bachelor in paradise all the time especially when it was like you know jojo season everything but why do you think that you were able to kind of break out that mold and do you feel like people get stereotype or typecast into just that reality category
0: yeah it's it's been really really hard for me to kind of break out of that reality category I mean, i'm still in it but like kind of in a in a different context but um yeah, I think you know I was a I was a, a pretty well known name in the radio world in in Nashville and kind of outside of Nashville for for a long time for like twelve years. So I I understood kind of the entertainment industry just from the speaking into a microphone portion of it. Um, so it wasn't super foreign to me to like, you know, when I came out to L.A. to go read like reading the teleprompter is the Easiest thing for an old radio host to do. Like all we all you do is read copy. Um, and in radio, you only get one shot at it. Like when the red light turns on, like that's it. Whereas in TV, they're like, oh, let's do a pickup. We can do that again. Better. And I'm like, what? You can do this again? That's so yeah. easy, like so lazy. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like braggadocious about it. I'm just like, I did I did my ten thousand hours long before I came out to Los Angeles with all this stuff. So I think it was easier for me to make that transition. Um, and also to understand audience I, th- I think that's a hard thing for people who go into the reality world uh to understand uh what what an audience wants of you and so there was a time in which i was doing a morning show on an alt station i did afternoon drive on a classic rock station and i did nights on a pop station so those are three very very different audiences and you have to chameleon to them that not ex hope that they accept who you are and so you kind of have to pivot around to kind of be the person that they want you to be. And that was always something that was easy for me because I'd done it for so many years. And so when you go on these shows, like for the bartender, I'm supposed to be, well, I am this guy, but like, I'm supposed to be the therapist. Uh, I'm supposed to give good advice, which I do. And, and I'm supposed to be funny. So I, I can be that character like relatively easily um, for like best in dough. When you're, when you're um, doing a cooking show or something, it's a little bit different like you know if if, if it's a show with kids and you have to be like really caring and sweet and and um patient with them um and you know if, if someone's rude or something you have to be uh, forceful and you kind of have to chameleon around and I think that um it was it was easier for me to realize what the audience needed for me in those roles and then go forward and also that just helps production because these things need to move fast and we got to get going and uh we don't have all day to shoot and all that kind of stuff and so understanding my audience, I think was something that helped me kind of early on in in my career out here in Los Angeles.
2: Uh, like you said, you did the 10,000 hours. I mean, you were, before you went on the bachelor, you were an accomplished broadcaster. Like you said, you talked about the jobs you did, you, you put in the time, you put in the effort, you put in the work and it obviously shows how do you feel? And and, you know, I just know from like, me do i'm a stand-up comic and then you see people doing these videos on vine or the, the all those videos and
1: they became huge vine? stars you just like, threw out vine bro
2: yeah, but <laughs> i threw out vine because <laughs> vine stars were the original they yeah. became huge and i'm like man i put in so much work for years in comedy clubs and all of a sudden these guys just did some videos they became stars from their vine videos and then the tiktok videos they were able to bring in more brands but then i feel like in the last few seasons of the batch from the bachelorette A lot of the main stars, you know, they obviously um, were trying to move their career more towards the TV roles. They were trying to become hosts and trying to prolong that career in the entertainment business. How did you feel when you see those people like, man, I busted my ass so long before The Bachelor to get to this point and you're doing well. And then you see these other people who clearly, I mean, I should say clearly, but they went on the show. You say you're there for love, but now you're trying to, you know, keep that attention to Keep that fame going a little bit. In a way, How, does it affect you? Do you f- get weird by it? How does it?
0: I I know what you're saying. Um, and I. Like, listen, I I'm the first person to be like, squeeze as much juice out of this lemon as you possibly can, because let me tell you something, it's gonna go away really, really quick. Um, and so I don't like begrudge anyone for doing it. I when I every season I get off and there's some rap party or something, and you know the sweet guy that we all love starts talking to me about wanting to start hosting TV shows. And I'm like, okay, good, good luck. If you, if you can do it and you can do it better than I can, or you can, um, then, then great. But like, I'm not sure if I don't know if, if a lot of people realize how much more difficult it is than it seems to be people who are very, very good at, at acting or hosting, um, or doing any of this stuff on actually doing anything ever. The trick is, is to make something that's very, very difficult, very, very easy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when the rubber hits the road, sometimes that doesn't happen. And so there are some people who have rise, uh, risen to the top who are great. Like, you know, like Kate, Caitlin Bristow hilarious and she's just a natural born entertainer. Um, you know Nick Vial is doing very good in like in his niche of of things um and so yeah I, I think i want everyone to be able to make as much money and and be as successful as as humanly possible it's it's one thing though when you're like i'm not sure if like you're being completely realistic a, about the possibilities that you're going to have going forward myself included you know like i never know when like the next gig's going to come so
2: yeah, but do you so, think it uh, – well, my other question says, do you think because of chasing that squ- <laughs> chasing that star or gigs after their their career, or after the bachelor, after the camera shut down on the bachelor, do you think that also affects the show? Because the audience kind of sees it like you're not just being a real person. You're just trying – you're clearly here for the wrong reasons. Because at the end of the day, as a viewer, I think we fantasize like, hey, they're there for the right reasons. But then the other part of it is like, no, I think they're just trying to – you know, elevate their career.
0: Yeah. And I guess the same could be said for me, um, like, (laughs) and I was a radio host beforehand. So I was always amazed that like the storyline didn't come up in my season of like, you're just here to get more people to listen to you on the radio. I was waiting for that to happen and it never did. Um, but yeah, I, the bloom is off the rose, uh, bad pun, I guess, maybe with a lot of that stuff. Um, people, People realize that they're doing it to like, you know, sell diarrhea tea on Instagram and yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> What's funny though is it the the audience has course corrected. People do not get the same amount of social media following as they used to on the show. And I think that's because people can smell maybe inauthenticity from a mile away. I always say when you go on that show, um, any any of the the Bachelor shows, um you better be super self-aware and know who you are, because if you don't know who you are, you're going to try to be pretend to be something that you aren't and something that you think everyone wants you to be. And, you know, the American audience is very, very smart when it comes to sniffing out uh, BS. And the second you come across as inauthentic, you are the villain. You're there for the wrong reasons. And it happens very, very quickly. Um, for me I knew who I was. I was the skinny hipster radio guy who would crack wise and who knew he was really not supposed to be there and was just kind of holding on for dear life because the girl that I was dating didn't really like me very much. Um and I kind of knew my role and stuff. But yeah, it gets a little a little grody when you, when you're like, "I don't I don't think you really care. I think you just you know want to host TRL and get <laughs> off this." I don't know if TRL still is a thing. <laughs> But it was when I was, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I get it. When you, well, what's the job that you became the closest to getting, like the big job that would have been not saying a difference maker in making her career, but actually, like Dax almost became a sidekick on Kelly and Ryan. Dax almost started became a host with Kelly and Ryan. Well, you almost became Ryan Seacrest. I almost started working on the Today Show. I was twenty hours away from getting a contract that would change my oh. life. What's the job that you are so close to getting that didn't happen?
0: I. I was um, I was in the talks to 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 host Bachelor, I think. um i t- I talked to all the people about that, um all the people above, you know, big and ABC and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there was a season of Paradise where I was just supposed to be the host. um and then uh, then at the last second, we switched up and brought in a bunch of celebrities and stuff. Um, but you gotta have to kind of have to roll with that. And I have, uh, I think you can allow yourself a day or a week or something to like grieve over that kind of stuff. But then you have to be like, maybe this, the reason why this didn't happen is because something better is, is coming down the road. And the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize, um, about the industry is that when you, when you do something, a certain type of show or something, you get kind of locked in this thing called exclusivity where you can't go do other things because you do this one thing. Um, And that's really tough because uh, options will come to you because you are doing this one thing, but you can't go do other things because you are doing this one thing. A very good example of that is my wife, who for 11 seasons was on the biggest freaking television show in the world. And she was offered, I think, a lot of movies to do, a lot of very big ones. And she couldn't. Now, that wasn't an exclusivity thing. That was a a scheduling thing. Like they were filming modern and she just couldn't go to Greece to film whatever movie. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that you can't do just because like either contractually, you're not allowed to or scheduling, you're not allowed to. And that sucks, but it is what it is. You know, it's funny. Cause when you became the
2: first time you became the bartender, of bachelor in paradise, I, I, at least from my experience and I'm a, I'm a casual watcher of the bachelor and stuff, but I saw it was this, the year they brought in all the celebrities to host but I think, like you were saying, you almost became the host of that season. From you becoming the bartender, you became so likable, so charming, and so good. People start, at least from what I was hearing, what I was seeing, like, people are like, man, Wells should be the host. Like, I think that actually worked out in your favor, where they're like, man, this guy is just so good and natural at it, where it really kind of made it like, man, maybe. maybe maybe Wells should be the host of The Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise. So I think actually in that way, it actually worked out in your favor a little bit. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's me I mean, yeah. from the outside looking in. I mean, you know obviously better than I do, but.
0: Yeah, it's very nice. You see that stuff and it's it's very nice and flattering and humbling, I suppose, to, to see that kind of like grassroots movement for like rooting for me and all that kind of stuff. I mean, even the old host of the show, Chris Harrison, went on his podcast and was like, why wasn't Wells the host does this make any sense to me um all that to be said though Jesse is like the most wonderful guy and uh I I enjoy I've only done one season with him but I super super enjoyed working with him and the one thing that maybe people don't know about Jesse um is he is a very good host because he has that like rain man quarterback mind where like you can give him like three sides of copy and like he's like computing computing but and then, and then he's got it all like like i need a i need a prompter or i need like three takes for something jesse is like one take wonder hits his mark says this thing is fucking out of there and i'm just like man he is very very good and that sets that like you know getting in a huddle and calling like a crazy you know three sentence long play before you know a giant you know linebackers coming to rip your throat <laughs> out so um so yeah he's he's great and i Are i think you, th- i think the show is is uh, in a good place because of him
2: you mentioned that you were actually in the talk step you know there is some rumblings that hey maybe we should give wells a chance of hosting the bachelor how does that come to Like, how do you find out about that? Do they reach out to you? And just, like, walk me through it. Like, hey, Wells, would you be interested in hosting The Bachelor? Or does your manager reach out to you? Like, hey, they want to talk to you about it. How does that kind of come about?
0: Yeah, and then there were some uh, people inside a production that really were rooting for me. Um, And then there were people pretty pretty high up in in abc that i think were also rooting for me and then you you set a meeting and you give them your uh, this, is, uh, this is how we did it we set a meeting i pitched myself and said this is why i think that i would be good at this um and they said uh we disagree <laughs> I <think. laughs> but i can't i can't complain too much because they gave me my own well they didn't ABC is also affiliated with Hulu and Hulu gave me a show where I host a cooking competition. So like they believed in me. I just think that they were like, maybe you should be doing it. Let's, let's see how this works first before we try anything else out.
1: But I think Masters of of Ceremonies is a a pretty dope, awesome gig as well. I do think that there is something to be said about what uh, the franchise did really well was kind of promote within and, you know, like take a contestant from one season, roll them over to the next season. And that really kind of, I think, kept the audience. And I'm going to be honest with you, like once they brought in, I think it was like Becca. I didn't know Becca from previous seasons. And for me, that was a hard transition because I was so used to the oh follow the contestant who gets to the next season and like I liked that dynamic um but I think Masters ceremony so I think keeping it in-house with you hosting that to me was a no-brainer so I was rooting for you the whole time I do want to know about being the bartender now did you did you have like bartending experience in the past or you're like shit I need to learn how to make a lot of drinks and I needed to learn how to do it quick
0: yeah, so I mean, the story goes like this: um, on the Bachelorette, I was the guy who got the first, um, the first group date rose. Mm-hmm. And so once you get a rose before, like days before a rose ceremony, no one cares about you. Like you're not in interview. Like th- there is no storyline for you. You're you're fine until the next week. And I realized I was like, no one wants to talk to me. Like uh, like I'm not doing interviews. Uh, I'm just gonna get drunk. So I. And I'm a I'm a I'm a good bartender. When I back in Nashville, you know, you don't make a lot of money in radio. In the beginning of my career as a radio host, I was doing like overnights and like graveyard shifts and boardopping. So I would wait tables in the day, and then I would go over to the radio station and, and then work overnights or, or work like real late. Um, so I was a waiter and a bartender and all that kind of stuff. So fast forward to i on the bachelorette. No one wants to talk to me, so I was like, okay, I'm going to start making some old fashions. So everyone's like, man, these old fashions are fantastic. So then I made a rule that if you ever got a, like a rose before a rose ceremony, you had to get drunk with me on old fashions. So every, every week I was like bartending for people. Um, and it became a thing of like, I got a rose. Was like, yes, I got a rose. And like, she likes me and i'm moving on but it's like also i'm getting drunk with wells this this week because uh i got a i got a group date rose or whatever <laughs> um and so i think production saw that and they're like what is happening with this this guy um so much so that i think we filmed they never they cut it but like i think we filmed a thing of like me being the bartender you know, like in argentina or something and like pouring up drinks and like talking about their dates and stuff um and then you know when when paradise came i I, I wasn't super keen on going um, at at that time. I, I was really comfortable with my career, and I was excited to go back and and work in radio. And um, I knew iHeart at the time I was working for iHeart. They were very pleased with like how things had worked out with me, and they wanted me to come back. And I was like, you know, guys, I think I think I'm good. You know, um, thank you, but no thank you. And and they were like, we really want you to come, and all that kind of stuff, and. You know, it became what, one of those things of, oh, okay, but, you know, maybe I can be the bartender. Like, uh, maybe we can go do that. And um that was like, oh, that's a thought. And so that's kind of how it, it went and how I kind of got this weird gig. But I did uh before, I did the first season thinking like, surely they're not going to have me actually bartend, you know, like that. They would never do that. And then I get down to the first season and they're like, okay, so you go get the ice up here. um, You restock from over here. um, You know, like beers are in this cooler. So go get those and walk them down. I'm like, wait, do I have a, I don't have a bar back in this? Like what? Like, they're like, no, you're doing all this. And so I was like, oh God. So I made drinks for everyone that first year and they weren't great they still aren't but um <laughs> but uh the second season i was like i need to go back to bartending school and like really kind of learn all the drinks again and you know you know learn the four count and the eight count all that kind of stuff again so i can be i can look like i actually know what i'm doing and so yeah the second season i went and learned to well. truly bartend
1: alcohol is obviously a huge thing in reality show and reality TV in general. It's always been a thing from like Jersey shore stock, the fridge full of alcohol. So how much is like the show behind you going, Hey, get those drinks in front of people because that just makes better TV in general. Or are you, Hey, this person definitely needs a drink. They look like they're boring over here. This person needs to be cut off because they're having way too much fun. Like how much control do you have over
0: that? I have the ultimate control over it, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of liability placed on somebody who's not paid that much money. <laughs> um, so it was, it was a couple year years. It was a long time ago. It was probably five seasons ago, four seasons ago, five seasons ago that we made a, a drink rule that you could only have two drinks an hour. And so, um, and it was to, tra- tra- to try to protect the, cast members Mm -hmm. um and so that's tough because i'm like i don't know so i have like a little book that i have to like write down how many drinks you've had and you also can't have like two shots in an hour because like you can get pretty wasted if you just are just shooting booze every hour um but i would like i kind of disagree with the thought of alcohol makes good television it doesn't it makes real sloppy television um And we're on network, you know, like maybe if this was on HBO or something like then, yeah, like them being sloppy and, you know, ripping wigs off and stuff would be would be fun. But like, we can't do that. Like, you'll see, like, you'll put someone into interview and they're drunk and you're like, we can't use any of this because it's just like, I can't believe Jason (laughs) said that about me. And you're like, God, fucking why (laughs) no? So uh, I am more of the guy of, hey. When they come when they're a little when they're getting a little sloppy i'll be like hey i know you want a rose right now but like let's have a water like let's pound that water real quick and then come back to me because you know you're you're getting a little eh. and for the most part people are like super pumped about that that, that i'm like looking out for them because i am I, I was in their shoes i remember how terrified i was about being portrayed as someone something that i wasn't and you especially get that way when you start drinking, um, and so I'm trying to protect those people. But then there are the people who are like, "Fuck you, man! Give me a drink," you know. Like they get aggro, and uh, girls do it too. Um, and then I'm like, "Oh, okay, screw you!
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you!" Here's to, your shot, <laughs> yeah.
0: Trying to help, but uh, enjoy going down in flames, my friend. <laughs> so yeah, it's all. It's you'll you'll notice if you ever watch the show there are people who i who i really like and they always tend to do very well and then there are people who do not do well and it's because um sometimes they're rude to me and the number one rule in life is you should never be rude to a waiter or a bartender cuz that's a shitty thing to be
1: <laughs> as he said master ceremony masters of image as well over here
0: yeah,
2: I get it. So let me ask you this. So after obviously The Bachelor, you know, you're, well, you're still in, I guess, a few years later, you meet an actress by the name of Sarah Hyland. She was on the show Modern Family. She was a star of the movie Private Parts. And I say I'm just kidding, she had a small. Yeah, time. she was. A kid. Yeah, she was in private. I'm a huge Stern fan. So she was in Private Parts.
0: I got a good story like, about that for you. Please say. So um, her father's an actor. He plays Dumbledore on um, on Harry Potter on Broadway. Um, but he was a struggling actor in, in, you know, Manhattan, whatever it was, 27 years ago. Um, and so he went to audition for a part in private parts and on the way over, he brought his daughter and on the way over, um, you know how, like, well, I don't know if they do it anymore, but back in the day in, in New York, they'd sell like bootleg copies of movies and stuff. And Sarah's a huge like Disney fan. And there was a copy of aristocrats being sold. Um, aristocats, excuse me. And she was like, I want that. And he goes, we don't have any money for, for that. Um, but if you go audition, actually, that's not not how the story goes. They both went to audition for private parts. She went into her taping, got too nervous, couldn't do it and left. Then they went downstairs, ran into one of those, um, those bootleg movie sellers. And there was a copy of aristocrats Aristocats, And she was like, I want that. And her dad said, well, we don't have any money for that, but if you had booked that we could afford this. And she goes, take me back up there right now and oh, went wow. back up there. And that's how she booked that role. And so very it was cool. very fun. So later that night or whatever it was, two days later, they get a phone call from the casting director and Ed, her father thinks he got the role and they were like, no, actually, this is for your daughter, Sarah. She got the role.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Very
2: cool. That's awesome. That, I mean, listen, that, it was. A, it's a classic movie. I know her role wasn't like, uh, But I mean, listen, she for the rest of her life, she could say she was in a movie with Howard Stern, which not too many people could say that because he hasn't done that many films.
0: But And the irony that, is, is that she married a radio host, you know? That is true. <laughs> that is true.
2: But your career starts to change. Well, your life starts to change because now you have paparazzi to deal with. And I'm not saying they're tough to deal with, but you're have to, you know, you're later in life, you know, you're in your thirties now and you have to worry. You don't have to worry about, but you
1: later in life thirties,
2: <laughs> Well, <it's, laughs> Dustin Bieber's dealing with cameras his whole life. so He's used to it. But now you have yeah. to get used to walking to Dwayne Reed, going to get a cup of coffee and getting your photo taken. How is that adjustment for you in the back of your mind? Just like that, that conscious feeling of like, man, like my life's now changing where, the normal things I used to do, I could still do, but you know, there's someone who could be taking photos of me and not just paparazzi, it's regular people who are doing that too. So, how was that transition
0: for you? Well, let's be clear I, paparazzi are not following me, um, but when I am with Sarah, that's when um, we do get papped. And so I'm just kind of there. I, I would say that, like, it's annoying, I guess. It's it's a, it's a weird it's a very weird feeling of like you're just like living your life and then all of a sudden people that you don't know are kind of following you around. It's it's a little unsettling. Um but I think I also understand that like it's kind of part and parcel of of the decisions that we've made to ha- have these like weird cool jobs. Um for her I feel bad because and for all, you know, women celebrities like the standard of beauty is, is un- unattainable and unrealistic. Um, and so when when we go out, she has to make sure that like she like she can't be hung over and go to CVS, you know, like you, you can't do that because in that that picture is out there. And that sucks because whenever you're hung over, all you want to do is go to CVS and get like a Pedialyte and some, you know, Advil or something. Um so you have to kind of like I don't know always people have to be more mind, mindful of all that kind of stuff and you also have to be more mindful of how you act um and that's like like I'm a normal person I go get drunk at a bar like but the the last thing that I want is like me, the video of me stumbling out of it and like mm-hmm. you know do it saying something stupid and so yeah you got to you got to be super mindful of it all and Is there
1: there ever a moment, though, that uh, because sometimes candid photos, like if my friends take a candid photo of me and and a party, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Is there ever a moment that a a pat photo comes across online that you're like, that is a
0: great fucking photo of us? Like, we look really, really good. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys know this, but like you can get sued for posting a paparazzi Mm -hmm. photo, which I think is the biggest bullshit thing I've ever heard of. That's a picture of me. And I didn't even approve of you doing it, but that's my likeness. I have ownership over my likeness. You do not. Like, I think that that is absolutely ridiculous. And so, yeah, it happens sometimes. We have like really good candidates, and you're like, I would love to post this or whatnot. And you can't do it because they might sue you.
1: Well, here, here's the tip for you. Okay. If you ever it. do like a photo... If you reach out to the photographer, if you find out who took the photo or the agency, and say, "I'll give you a tag," most likely, most of the time, they'll say yes.
2: Ninety the yeah.
1: They just want the recognition, not to, and for it not to be just stolen and put up there. But I bet if if you reach out and said, "Do you mind if I tag you and I'll post this?" They'll be like, "Absolutely." It's crazy. It, like that's we. I, I see that a lot with like paris and kim you know these people amy that are schumer a- yeah everywhere they go there are photographers following them and if they really truly enjoy a photo they'll reach out to the agency the agency like yep just tag us you're all good
0: but Yeah, but then you're, on then the you're other, starting to then you're starting to, per- to perpetuate the thing that is the problem which is people like sitting outside your house and following you around which is a the, very very weird thing true but the other way of thinking about it is
2: the photographers and this is what's going on right now these photographers a lot of them are it's not even the photographers, it's the agencies. They hope for a celebrity to use their photo on their Instagram so then they could go after them and they could actually get more than the photo's really worth just yeah. because they post on their Instagram, which sucks. Have you guys had any kind of, well, I mean, maybe you're more wise about it now, but have you had Ocularity or some other kind of company reach out to you guys saying, hey, you used the photo, you now have to pay, or has that happened to you guys before?
0: I There was a time in which I it was kind of explained to us by you know managers and stuff that like this was happening. So make sure like we're not posting of, of that. So we became pretty aware of it. And then we went and like scrubbed um our our social it. media as well. So like that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. You no,
1: know, I th- I think that there is, you know, you, you say perpetuate it, but I think that there is obviously there is a benefit of staying relevant during those in-between roles. So I think that there is a place in society for photos or something because it's it's there's so many fans out there that are constantly wanting more and more i think that's why these you know paparazzi photo agencies you know the the websites they all exist because of the curiosity behind celebrity and fame and all of that do you find any benefit at all to photographers being out there
0: no but it's one of those things of I think I'm mindful of the fact that if they weren't taking photos, then maybe our careers wouldn't be Mm -hmm. where we hoped they would be. So there's a silver lining in all of it. Yeah. When it comes to like um, people who are are fans of ours, it's always an interesting dichotomy between Sarah and I, because Sarah is on, people know her as somebody else, but everyone knows me as me. Um, So the ownership of like people, when they come up to you, um, is much easier for me than it is for her because they know her as Haley or they know her um, as Heidi and like all these different parts she's played. But they don't really know her as Sarah, but everyone knows me as Wells on, you know, the bartender on The Bachelor or whatever. Um, and so it's funny because they they talk to me like they absolutely know me, which they do. And sometimes like people can get, especially when they're drunk, like they can get a little handsy with you. Like they're like, oh, he's a bar. Come yes. over here, and you're like stop manhandling me lady uh and so yeah that's that's a very uh a weird thing when especially when you're at a bar and people are drinking whereas like with sarah they'll just be like oh my god i loved you in private parts or whatever like it's a different uh it's a different way of being approached i, I think also i think that like her she's such a bigger name than i am so people don't really give a shit if they're rude to me but like they're, they they uh, are very you know careful around her, which makes me very happy because I would much rather be the one that you know is getting manhandled at a bar than than my you so know five I, foot two hundred pound wife.
1: I want to know. Obviously, you've met some of her co stars from Modern Family. Who is the funniest person in real life? Because they are some of the, it is like the group of the funniest people I've ever seen on television. But who in your mind is the funniest, like when you're in a room or at a party, you're like, this person is hilarious.
0: Ty Burrell. And yeah, it's probably not even close. He is um, it's Ty Burrell. And then it's Jesse Tyler Ferguson. We went to they filmed an episode of Modern in um, France. And so I got to go. (laughs) I don't know why, but they allowed me to come. Um, And so every night we would. We were staying at this great restaurant or this great hotel with a restaurant and a bar, um, kind of in the bottom, whatever, in the lobby. And so every night we would go get drinks and sit around with the entire cast. And it's funny because I'm a very funny person. I, I, uh, and I was like a wacky radio host for a very long time. So I'm, I'm like I can keep up with this, you know, this stuff. No, like so Jesse and Ty will just do bits like the entire. Night and so and they're and they're performing for each other, but also for all of us. And I swear to God, I have never laughed so hard as like just watching Jesse and Ty like do bits together. And they're like constantly coming up with them. It's so That's, freaking that sounds funny,
1: amazing. It was <laughs> that sounds like the best dinner ever.
0: No, yeah, they're they're the greatest. But yeah, Ty is Ty is very very funny. Were,
1: were any of them Bachelor fans? So did they like know you? Like any of these people know oh, you from the Bachelor?
0: only the most important one which was Sarah she was the the (laughs) one who like loved the show and watched with her mom since she was a kid and stuff and like that's how we met because she was watching the show and she like tweeted like oh my god they're making what they're making Wells the bartender this is so great Um, but no and it's also very funny because I am an imposter to all of them Um, and they're like who is this guy and like he's on what show is this what What? What is he doing here why is he he drinking with us Nice. Yeah, I know. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. we have the closest ratings to you guys of any other ABC shows. <laughs> <laughs> Mic <Mike> drop. <laughs>
2: what was um, what was that dinner that you've been to that you're just like, I can't believe I'm sitting at the table. Like when you look around the people eating with you and you're like, man, this is fucking cool. Like, I, I don't want to say you made it, but like my I would never I can never picture myself sitting at the table with these people who was at that table.
0: Uh, I don't know if it was a dinner, but we, we go to we go to some of these like award shows, you know, like um, Emmys and SAG and Oscar and stuff. And I remember um, we there's an after party after the Oscars. I, say, I think maybe the Vanity Fair part. I don't know, whatever. Um, and so we went to that, and so it's all these people who have their Oscar in their hands, and like they're drunk now and a little disheveled and, you know, the tuxedo's is slowly kind of coming off and, you know, unbuttoned and the tie is uh, loose. And I just remember looking around and seeing a lot of uh, people who I'm a huge fan of being drunk, eating like, in and out double doubles, like (laughs) sitting on the floor. I mean, like, whoa, this is, this is bonkers. But the, the, my first date with Sarah was, was an interesting one. Um, I was here hosting a dog award show, um, (laughs) shows you what, where my career was at the time. And, um, and she was at the Emmys, um, or going to the Emmys. And so there's a party called, uh, the night before the Emmys party, which is, A hard ticket to get um because you have to kind of be up for an emmy to go to one of these parties right there's no there's no press allowed inside so all the actors can really kind of like let loose and so i just finished like hosting this dog award show and she's like we were supposed to go get a drink and she was like you know what nothing's open here in beverly hills right now um just come to this party uh just, are you wearing a suit? And I was like, yeah, I was hosting this thing. So yeah, I was wearing a suit. She was like, perfect. Come to this party. We're going to go. We'll we'll just drink there and we can hang out there. This is our money. This is our first date. So I'm like, yeah, okay. So I like Uber over to this party, not knowing anything about what the night before the Emmys party is. And so I, I walk up, this is the first time we've ever seen each other in person. Okay. And so I walk up and she's, you know, I hug her and she's like, all right, let's go in. So we go and we get a wristband. We walk in. First person we run into is Joel McHale, who I've been a fan of forever. Okay, and so he starts talking, and he starts talking to Sarah, and he's he is just Joe McHale all the time, and he's just like, "So how many fucking houses do you own now?" And she's like, well, "I own you know two or whatever," and then he turns to me and he goes, "Who the fuck are you?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> who's this guy and and i was like oh yeah i'm wells of a radio dj in nashville and he's like how many houses do you own And i was like not ma- not very many joel <laughs> uh and so like that so I, that that was like oh my god and the second person you run into is johnny galecki from um big bang theory and Roseanne and everything and so they're chit-chatting and um and he, when you you i just know him as being so funny so anything he says i was like that's funny so he goes, <laughs> she's like how so sarah goes how's everything going and he goes oh uh yeah you know like the house burned down so i didn't think that was literal like i I, don't, I didn't know what that meant but i was so i just thought that was like some sort of cliche or something so i laughed and he's like why are you laughing and i was like did your house really burn down he goes yeah in malibu the fires and i was like oh my god <laughs> so embarrassed. So he showed, showed us a picture of the house and all that's left was the chimney and I go, well, at least oh the God. chimney made it right. And he was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and so I was like, oh, for two, this is going great. So then we, we keep walking through and at the time, like Westworld was huge um, and Game of Thrones was huge. And so every all of them were there. And this is where it was kind of funny. I'm a novelty and my show is a novelty to people who are serious actors but when they saw the bartender from bachelor like a bunch of people were like oh my god the same thing you guys are doing kind of like okay tell me about the drink limit and tell tell me about like is so and so really a bitch and started doing this and so all these people started circling around me and um asking me all these questions and so of course it's like you know the people from westworld i'm like i love this show so i'm like i'll tell you everything you know like we're gonna be friends now and i remember one of the girls from westworld goes hey come here and i was like yeah and she goes hey who 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 brought you here and i was like she did and he goes she goes you might want to go talk to her or not to us and i was like thank you so much and so then <laughs> i walked away and i remember sarah afterwards was like you're more popular at this thing than i am um and that so that was the our first like first date and, it, and looking back i think it was a little bit of like um sink or swim like let's see if this kid can hang at one of these things that we have to go do that i have to do a lot and i didn't start out super strong but i think i i I ended uh pretty strong and so that was a that was a very long answer to your question oh i love it that was a day where i was like look at all these (laughs) famous people oh i'm also a huge firefly fan um and I love Nathan Fillion and he played uh, Sarah's love interest uh, on modern. He played like stormy. He played the like, weatherman. I can't remember his name. Anyways, he came up to us and I was like, oh, I love firefly. And like started to nerd out and he couldn't have been more lovely and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it wasn't lost on me that he had made out with this girl more than I had at that point, <laughs> but I was still pretty pumped to meet nathan Fillion.
1: oh that's so good that that was a great story i loved how long it was trust me that every right. detail was amazing there how i need to know how the hell did you team up with brandy cyrus for your podcast mm-hmm. like how did, how does that friendship strike up or you guys decide hey yeah let's let's sit down let's do a podcast let's talk about our life let's talk about our favorite things like how does that come about
0: yeah so the podcast is called your favorite thing podcast with Wells and brandy we've been doing it now for, I think eight years. So when I was a radio host in Nashville, I was doing nights on CHR, which is pop um, top forty. And I knew Brandy. Um, and obviously, like her and her family are at the Ennis epicenter. like this they are the the zeitgeist of, you know, pop culture. And so I would have her on my my night show on CHR, and the and the whole the whole thing was we were trying to get a show syndicated on iHeart, and I thought this is a no brainer. Like you have Brandy Cyrus who has connections to her sister Miley, her sister Noah, her dad Billy Ray, like. And then me, who was uh, you know, on had this recurring role on a popular um show, and so we pitched it to iHeart and we sent them you know air checks and everything, and they were like, No, we're not doing this. Uh, which I think was oh, that's so actually st-
1: shocking. I'm I, very I, surprised I, to hear. Looking that. back,
0: I was like, that was the dumbest fucking move, but whatever. But we and so much enjoyed like doing radio together that I was like, you know what, why don't, let's just do a podcast. And, um, and she was, so we went back and forth. She was, I was like, well, we, you have to have a shtick with the podcast. Like you can't just whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I want to talk about whatever. And I was like, but that, that's not a podcast. And at the time, I think Miley was going through some, some BS online. Like people were being mean to her about something, which is just like her life. And so we were at lunch at Taco Mamacita in Nashville. And she was telling me all about that. And I was like, man, there's just so much like negativity and like anger on um, like in the media. And I kind of had a little bit of I got a little taste of it, too, from being on these shows. And I was like, man, I would just love to do a show where we just talk about our favorite things like n- never be negative. Let's just talk about things we love. And she was like, I love that. Let's do that show. And I said, OK, well, maybe that is a maybe that is a stick. Um so that's how your favorite thing began with just things that we love, like movies. We liked TV shows. We like music. We like books. We like, um, events. We like going to just positivity and stuff. And, uh, so that's how the show was born. And I think it's been a actually like a pretty healthy thing for us to do to like an hour a week. We just talk about things we love and like things we're grateful for and things we're happy about. And, and then of course, like, I will also still do like my morning show bits. I don't do it anymore. And so I'll go on prep sites and like find all the things and like still do those stupid segments and bits. Uh, but for the most part, it's um, it's just us being kind of positive and stuff we like. And yeah, people love it. It's um, it's a good show and it's, it's, it's gone for so many years, which is crazy to me.
1: What, what's your favorite thing about Brandy?
0: Um, oh, that's a good question. I love – she is not a girl's girl. She's a guy's girl. Um, And she can, like, hold her own. She's kind of a badass. Um, She's also – she is so funny. She doesn't like comedy. And I'm like, you know that the show we do is a comedy, right? Like, this whole thing is – and she like like every movie. She's like, I don't like, I don't like rom coms. I don't like comedies. I, if I say like a stand up comedian, like I, Andrew Santino's Cheeseburger came out recently, and I was like, this stand up is one of my favorite things. It's so good. And she was like, I don't like comedy. And I think that's just so funny because uh, I've never really met anybody that was like, I'm not really into that. I like dramas and stuff. Uh, so I love that about her. And she's also very, very, very normal. Um, and I and I think that I love that about her because she grew up in a very not normal environment and she's so level headed and um she works really, really hard. She's an amazing DJ. So I'm I'm kind of proud of how normal she is.
1: I love it. I
2: love yeah. It. No, I wells, I really appreciate coming to the podcast because I think for you, you you know, I feel like you're still you humanize everything. You humanize The Bachelor. You humanize Hollywood for you. So it's good to hear your perspective because I think you have a very good perspective because I think you can see what it's like from the inside in and then from the outside looking at it. So I think it's just it's cool to kind of hear you. And, and that's why I think people love the podcast Just I think you look at television, music, even reading books in a different way because you see both sides of it because you have you've been on both sides of it. So, I, I mean, I really appreciate coming on the time on the podcast and Shooting the shit with us, man. It's uh, it's really good, man.
0: It's good to talk to you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This has been uh, a lot of fun. I feel like I talked way too much, and I feel
1: no. Uh, you yeah, are the yeah, best. Like, no, I loved I it. I loved your stories. I, you, like, like Adam said, to kind of echo that. Like, I, I like hearing your perspective of you know, going into these parties and feeling like the outsider, making yourself an insider at the end of the day. Like that, I think is is really cool because there's so many people I think that can relate to walking into a party. We may not have super famous A-list celebrities eating hamburgers on the floor, but you know, you, you feel that and you can understand like how cool that would be for someone who, you know, is isn't necessarily an actor, but has made their way into that room. And I think that's that's really cool. So make sure you guys follow Wells on social media. He's at at Wells Adams on Instagram. If you don't already follow him, you can listen to his podcast. Your favorite thing with uh, Wells and Brandy. He's got that Hulu show, Best in Doe. And of course, you can catch him on Bachelor in Paradise being the master of ceremonies there. And this was a fun chat, dude. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me,
1: guys. I really enjoyed that dude he was good. He was fun. Uh, I liked his perspective on just fame and you know, being in this industry. he He definitely has a, a different perspective uh, because he's married to someone so crazy, crazy, famous.
2: yeah, I mean, he's I would say from everyone who's done The Bachelor, he's probably the he's had the the best career post Oh hands down.
1: like uh, that's hands down by by far,
2: yeah, pretty insane. Well, I take that back. Maybe Jesse Palmer.
1: But, hmm.
2: Jesse Palmer. No,
1: I, I still think
2: Jesse Palmer got on Good Morning America. He got on. He was he's already on, okay. maybe on ESPN. Okay. He got on he ESPN. Daily Mail What's Show. Good America got in Daily Mail and now also is the now host of The, the Bachelor. Bachelor. So that's true. Yeah, maybe he was in. But he was already
1: he was already a big deal before. Right. I mean, with football and everything.
2: Eh, he was a backup quarterback. He wasn't really, you know, he didn't have that great of an NFL career. But I mean, the guy's a monster. If you ever see Jesse Palmer, the guy's like a walking statue. Like, yes, he's a good-looking dude. Like, he's just like the all-American guy. You know, yeah. Wells is just like a man of the people. But I like I said on the podcast, when Wells became the first time he became the part the bartender, I think people were like, Man, Wells is so good. I think they got to see him as a nice guy, a charismatic person, a fun guy, but also was good to the contestants maybe he should be the host of the bachelor like he said his name was in the running unfortunately it didn't happen i guess they already had their eyes on jesse but he was also a great guest on the hollywood royal podcast thank you guys for watching this on youtube make sure you like and subscribe follow us on instagram tiktok twitter We're on it all we also have this private facebook group called off the record where you guys could ask us anything and we guys talk to each other it's just a really cool entertainment news celebrity pop culture fun group uh, follow me at, at Adam Glenn, G-L-Y-N. Follow Dax Holt at Dax Holt. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye. Media Production.